This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Hello, GYC. Good evening. Amen. Thank you so much for that beautiful song. What a privilege it is to be here with you and to have the keynote address. I feel very humbled. I have a few thanks before I begin, but I got to tell you that uh, I am blessed to have a beautiful wife, Amy, and thank you for that introduction. I believe that my little boy as well is sleeping at this time. So the little man hopefully will be blessed somehow. I want to thank the GYC volunteers for all of the dedication and the labor of love that you have given for the movement. A lot of the things that you see are done out of sacrifice and love for you. I want to thank them. I also would like to thank my family, especially my wife and my parents, for their love, for their prayers, and for their great sacrifice. If it were not for them, I would not be here today, and I want to thank them. I also want to thank Pathways, and especially Leela Lewis, I know she's here, for showing the heart of Christ in Phoenix, helping people receive free health care, but also blessing them spiritually, that they might be a blessing to the world. Thank you so much, Pathways, and every volunteer of Pathway that is here. Thank you so much for your service. On behalf of GYC, we just want to thank you for giving your time to do the best work, and that is sharing the love of Christ. Also, would like to thank the Jackson and Bunker Hill Church. You are watching right now, and I just want to thank you for all the things that you've done for bearing with me as I travel across the world to help this generation get a picture of Christ. I just want to thank my local churches. And I also would like to thank, above everything else, God for his loving kindness and for being so patient with us. Let us have a word of prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be here as we have gathered from all four corners of the world in the thousands, we have come because we believe, Father, that you want to come soon. That you want to come even more than we want to see you come. And Father, this is your time. I am but a man. Hide me behind your cross. And may you speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There were two Moravian missionaries by the name of Joanne and David. Two young men, Moravian brethren, in Hernut, Germany, in the 1700s. These two men received the call to mission work, and they were dedicated to go to the end of the earth to share the love of God. They got a call to go to an island in the West Indies, St. Croix. But the only way that they could go to that island was that either they were a slave owner or they were slaves. 
These two men were middle-class young men in the prime of their life. But they received the call to missions. So they decided to sell themselves as slaves and go to the end of the earth. As they went into the boat, they looked at their families and they said, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And there they went as slaves to share the love of Jesus Christ to a people somewhere in the world. These men knew where they were going. But I want to ask you the question today, GYC, do you know where you're going? We know that our destination is for heaven. Everything that we do, every ounce of GYC, is so that each and every one of us can be in the kingdom of God together. We know where we want to go, but how do we get there? And today, by the grace of God, I want to give a clear vision and a mission for where GYC is going and where we must go. Number one, where do we go? We need to go back to God. To the Bible and to the spirit of prophecy. Reading the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 5 and verse 39, and we will see why. John chapter 5 and verse 39. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, this is what the Bible says. It says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have what, my friends? You have eternal life. And these are they which do what? Testify of me. Who is speaking? It is Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible is not just another good book. It is an encounter with God. It is the mind and the heart of God made audible for man. The Word of God is our only rule of faith and practice as a people. By the Word of God, we are to be judged. Without the Word of God, my friends, we are nothing, and Moise is nothing without the Word of God. Our vision and life must be driven by the Word of God and by the spirit of prophecy. Every ounce of GYC must exist to propel, to inspire this generation to have a deep abiding relationship with God. If we are not leading people to Christ, then we need to stop existing. That is where we must go, to the Word of God. But what about the spirit of prophecy, you might ask? Do we need to read the spirit of prophecy? I want to tell you a story. A couple weeks ago, I was on my tour to the beautiful continent of Africa. If you could tell that I have an accent, that's because I am an African. And I went to that beautiful continent, and I was coming back on a 28-hour journey. I wanted to see my wife and my beautiful little man. But what was before me was four inches of snow, very cold, dark, and fog. 
I had my trusted little car, my Honda Civic. And if you have a Honda Civic, you know it is reliable. But unfortunately, my Honda Civic was not heavy enough to face the snow. But I wanted to be home. Though I had traveled for very, from very far, I wanted to be home. My wife told me, sweetheart, Mo, I know you're a dedicated guy, but you could rent an hotel or stay in an hotel for the night till things are more safe. But I wanted to be home. So I went through the snow, through four inches of snow, roads that weren't plowed from Detroit to Lansing, driving, driving at about 35 miles an hour on the highway. Left and right, there were cars on the ditches. But I was heading home. I knew the way home. But it was so dark that I could not see properly, but I was thankful for those two red lights in front of me that were leading me all the way home. The spirit of prophecy is still light. Though it is the lesser light, it is still a light. And according to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, it is the faith of Jesus Christ. We're living in a very dark world today. The year 2017 has been a year to be remembered. As we're going through this life, more than ever before, young people just like you and I need to be in the Word of God, reading as well the spirit of prophecy. Read it for yourself. Start with a great controversy. Read the desire of ages. Read patriarchs and prophets. Read ministry of healing. It talks about Jesus Christ. It has the same author, the Holy Spirit. Read it. This is where we must go as a movement. To the Word of God. Number two. Where do we go? We must go to our local churches. You know, I like this visual aid. To go to the local church. You might say, well, Moise, why do we have to go to the local church? The book Education, page 265 to 266 says this, The church is organized for service. And in a life of service to Christ, connection with the church is one of the first steps. Loyalty to Christ demands the faithful performance of church duties. This is an important part of one's training. And in a church imbued with a master's life, it will lead directly to efforts to the world without. The Seventh-day Adventist church, my friend, and I'm saying this from love, is a grassroots movement, but it's the apple of God's eye. More than ever before, we need young people to be involved in their local church. To be involved in their local church, not only be on the sidelines and be attendees, but you are, my friends, participant. You are GYC. You are this generation. And GYC must exist to equip, to inspire, 
this generation to be actively engaged in their local church. It is the apple of God's eye, and this is where we must go to our local church and be involved. But someone might say, well, Mo, my local church is not mission-minded. You don't understand my situation. I have news for you, my friend. You are the church. You be mission-minded. You be focused. You give Bible studies. You be involved. Start a small group. Start a ministry that supports the Seventh-day Adventist church. Daniel's church was in captivity because it was not mission-minded. But Daniel never used that as an excuse not to be faithful to God. Though whatever was happening in his local church, whatever it was, Daniel purposed in his heart to be faithful. And you be faithful. This is your church. Somebody else might say, well, Mo, you don't understand my situation. In my local church, I'm the only young person. I can't relate to anybody. I am there. They are not youth-friendly. A lot of their programs are not for young people. My friend, don't ask what the church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. This is your church. Is there politics in the church? Yes. Is it right? Never. But you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit every day. Be the change that you seek to see in the world. The church is not perfect, but God is. And this is His church. When people go low, my friend, you arise. Go to your local church. Bring and win a soul to Christ. Do not be satisfied with anything else but to expand the kingdom of God. You might say, well, Mo, I don't know much about the Bible. I'm a young person. My life is messed up. Go talk to the woman at the well. Don't make excuses when God has called you. Go. This leads me to my third point. Where are we going? To the end of the earth. Mission, mission, mission. God gave us a great commission, not a great option. A love for God and a love for His church will lead us automatically to love His people. I get very worried at times when people have to be encouraged to go to missions and they say they're Christians. If you love God, it will be automatic. We need a love today for the love of man has grown cold. But we need a love today that will lead us to go to the ends of the earth that is not ruled by sensationalism or feelings, but by choice, principle, and sacrifice. It is a love that does not flinch in the face of hardship or worldly success 
or the pull of mediocrity, fame, power, or money. It is a love that calls a family to leave the comforts of their home and come to an event called Pathways on Christmas and give up their resources that they can help somebody else. It is a love that not only seeks to feed the homeless, but to save as well that homeless man or that homeless lady. It is a love that drives a man or a woman in the cold of winter to knock on doors for a couple of hours. It is a love that propels a man or a woman making six-digit figures to go to the ends of the earth and be a volunteer and work on a stipend. It is a love that is not ruled by social media, the latest fads, but drives a person as outreach is going, they're making photocopies while nobody is watching so that people can have materials to go knocking on doors. It is a love that drives a person to their knees when nobody is watching, praying for their family member that has left the church. It is a love that at times might not be seen by the naked eye, but that is there, praying, praying, praying. What the world needs today is a love that will drive young people to the end of the earth. Such a love will drive you to sacrifice and pain, but also to joy and peace. And to choose to have this love is the only way I believe to finish the work in this generation. There should be no more loving person on this earth than a Seventh-day Adventist especially a GYCer. The Bible says you need to be known for your gentleness even in your social media platforms. We need love today. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to have a vision of what God wants us to do. We need a love that will drive young people to to be fully furnished, to be willing to spend time in the Word of God and learning all things. A love that will drive a person to have a biblical worldview. And GYC must exist to rightly train an army of young people who will be disciples of Jesus Christ, who are willing to carry the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior to the end of the earth. Every ounce of GYC must exist to further the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, God's Church. Jesus says, if we want to accomplish this mission, however, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Christ. Not follow man, follow Christ. Obedience is what God is calling us to. Not because we have to, not because we're legalist, but because we thirst for the glory of God, because we are loyalists. 
The Ten Commandments of God, my friend, are not a burden. They're the best description of how to love God and your, labor, and your neighbor. The best description of how to love. Love is not a burden. The greatest man ever born of a woman, according to Jesus, John the Baptist, because he had the greatest task ever given to a man, the task of preparing the people for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the prime of his life, John the Baptist faced one of the greatest crises of his public ministry. His disciples lost their focus, lost their mission, and lost their vision. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 3, verse 22 to 26. John chapter 3, verse 22 to 26. In John chapter 3, verse 22 to 26, John the Baptist is encountering something he has never seen before. And there it reads, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and did what, my friends? And baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were what else, my friends? Were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who he was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is doing what, my friends? Baptizing, and some people are coming to him. Are you seeing from the word? What did they say? All people are going to him. Now, who is telling this to John the Baptist? Are these some strangers? They are the disciples of John the Baptist. They have been given a commission to prepare the people for what coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But five things got in their way of accomplishing their mission. Number one, the disciples of John the Baptist became jealous of who? The ministry of Christ and Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Here they were, one group was baptizing, the other group was baptizing. Now we know John tells us that Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were baptizing. Two groups of people baptizing, and there's a controversy. They get involved in the controversy about purification, and here they are saying to John the Baptist that everybody is going to Jesus, and they are jealous of who the Son of God. But whose work are they thinking they're doing? The work of God. How did they get to that point? Because they were majoring in minors. Number one. To them, they were more worried about their numbers, public perception of the effectiveness of their ministry and purification, that they became jealous of the Son of God Himself. Majoring in minors. 
Number two, how did they lose their mission? The disciples had false litmus tests and silver bullets. In their mind, only they could baptize or probably had the true purification. After all, John the Baptist was a voice in the wilderness, revered and feared by the religious leaders and the rulers of the time. Jesus Christ, he did not look like the Messiah. He was a carpenter from Nazareth. He did not look like the expectation of a king. So since he did not look like a king, he must be an imposter. Number three, how did they lose their mission and their vision? They started to fall into the sin of what I call institutional rivalry. If they are not under our brand, under our control, then they are our enemy. Yes, they might be doing a good work, but they are not us. They were so caught up in the waves that they were creating that they could not see that God was preparing a tsunami in the Son of Jesus Christ. They wanted to become the managers of the Holy Spirit. So as a result, they missed the Son of God. They went to John the Baptist and they said, Verse 26, and they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Now, is that true that everybody was going to Jesus at this point in time? Probably not. There were still some people that were going probably to John the Baptist. But they were jealous. And when we have a spirit of institutional rivalry, my friend... It leads to a spirit of insubordination. The Bible doesn't tell us for sure that the disciples of John did not respect Christ. But we know that some of John's disciples would have been present at Christ's baptism because in verse 26, what do they say? And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, what? He who was with you where? Beyond the Jordan. That means that some of them were there and they witnessed what God was doing in acknowledging His Son. They also heard, by the way, before we get to this point, in John chapter 3, more than seven times, John is telling them that He is not the Son of God. He is not the Messiah. But he acknowledged who was the one, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world to take away the sins of the world. Who was that? Jesus. Were his disciples there? Probably yes, because they said they knew he was with Jesus beyond the Jordan. They knew that Christ was the Messiah or that John the Baptist acknowledged that he was the Messiah. But because they were succumbed by public pressure and cultural expectation, by the Jews questioning the effectiveness of their ministry of purification. They challenged the calling of the public ministry of Christ and indirectly the voice of God Himself. 
Consequently, number five, they forgot who they were. They were called to be ushers in the first coming of God. But here they, they were fighting the very Son of God. Such an event is not new to mankind. Heaven knows about such an event. But John the Baptist was not caught or swayed by this pressure. Though the spirit of prophecy tells us that at this point in time, John the Baptist had more influence than Christ. But he was not swayed by fame, money, or power. He knew where he was going. So whatever roadblock was in front of him, it did not matter because he knew where he was going. Do you know where you're going, GYC? John the Baptist did not major in minors because he has gone to the Word of God and had read the prophecy about the Messiah and understood the meaning behind the sanctuary service. He knew he was the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. So he did not major in minors. John the Baptist did not fall for false litmus tests or silver bullets. Again, he knew what mattered because he had studied the Word of God. And he knew that though man may baptize with water, Jesus will baptize with fire. The ultimate purification. Hence, he was not swayed by institutional rivalry by self because he wanted the glory of God above his own. A couple of months later, we know what happens to John the Baptist. He is beheaded, alone in a dungeon. But he knew where he was going. Number four, John the Baptist knew where he was going even towards the end of his life as he was about to face death and was tempted to question God. If God, if Jesus Christ was truly the Messiah, because the pressures were getting more, he was experiencing more pressure and more pressure and more pressure. But he yielded to the voice of God. Because God said Jesus Christ was the Messiah, he accepted. Though his feelings maybe were not aligned, but he chose obedience over feeling. And lastly, John the Baptist did not forget who he was. He did not forget who he was in the eyes of God and what God had called him to. He knew that he was called to be a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for what, my friend? The first coming of who? Of Jesus Christ. So when he heard the voice, go with me to verse 29. This is what he says. He who, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears his voice rejoices greatly because of who, my friend? The bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is what, my friends, is fulfilled. And the famous verse, 
He must increase. But what, my friends? I must decrease. JYC, is it your vision today to go back to the Word of God? To go back to the Bible, to the spirit of prophecy? To go back to the people of God and be active in your local church? To go to the ends of the earth and proclaim the three angels' message? Not for the glory of man, but for the glory of God. I believe that this generation can be the greatest generation if they know where they're going. Jesus has allowed us to be alive for such a time as this. I am a church pastor. And as a pastor, some of you pastors know that you bury people. Most people call you either when they're getting married or when they're bearing a loved one. On this day, I had to bury a man who was 95 years old. This man was no ordinary, ordinary man. He had a living memory of John Harvey Kellogg. I have the privilege of pastoring the oldest congregation in Adventism, Jackson, Michigan, where Ellen G. White had some of her great controversy visions and where she was attacked by the devil. My other church is called Bunker Hill, and this is where this man was. And he had actually, as his record, he had the record of some of the pioneers' tithe paying, how they paid tithe, handwritten copies of that. This 95-year-old man longed to see Jesus come in his lifetime. He had spent almost every ounce of his life trying to hasten the Lord's coming, preaching, being there almost at every board meeting. He could recite Psalm 91 by heart at 95 years old. He had trained his mind, everything that he could do to hasten the Lord's coming. But here I was, bearing him. He had the chance. He longed for the moment. And we today, my friends, can see Jesus come in our lifetime. Amen? Are we going to rise to the occasion? Or are we going to play church? Are we going to play religion? Are we going to be like John the Baptist's disciples and fight against God? More than any of us here today, Jesus wants to come back. And what he's waiting for is for a people who are willing to see him come back more than anything else. I want to make an appeal to you today, my friend. Three appeals. The first appeal is if you're willing to commit to read the Bible and the Conflict of the Ages series in 2018. All of it. From patriarchs 
from prophets and kings, from patriarchs and prophets, prophets and kings, desire of ages, acts of the apostle, and great controversy, and the word of God. If you're willing to make that commitment, I will invite you to stand. To read the word of God in one year and the conflict of the ages. Appeal number two. It is if you are willing to commit to win one soul to Christ in 2018. If you say, Lord, I am committing to this, I will invite you to come to the front and make a public stand to say, Lord, I am committing to leading one soul to Christ in 2018. Amen. Amen. Appeal number two. Number three. If you have sensed God's call to call you to be a missionary to the end of the earth, and you know that God is calling you, you might be a CEO of a company, you might be a lawyer, you might be a doctor, you might be a pastor, but you know that your call is to go overseas. And you want to make that commitment today. Do not harden your heart and go where God is calling you to. I invite you to come to the front. Amen. Lastly, at every meeting, I always want to ask and give the opportunity, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please come to the front and I'll be down here and I'd like to meet with you I'd like to pray with you and I'd like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ let's pray together my friend dear heavenly father today thousands of people have committed to read your word. They've also committed, Father, to win a soul for Christ. Some have also committed to go to the ends of the earth, to the end of the earth, and give their life to you all the way. Others as well have committed to be baptized or to accept Jesus Christ for the first time as their personal Savior. Lord, I pray for them. I want each and every one of them to be in heaven, including myself. Save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. And may we arise, arise and arise, for our light has come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
May the Lord be with you, my friend, and may he fill you with his Holy Spirit. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.